principle and preference. Two words on the total opposite side of the, of the spectrum. Preference, very simple. The, the, the power or the option to choose, very simple. Uh, what you wore today, you, you chose, oh, I prefer to wear slacks today, I, I, I prefer to wear shoes and, and a nice blue sweater, or I prefer to wear a, a blazer, a suit. After church, you may prefer to go to Brisas, or after church, you may want to go get some pizza, or go Don't right get them hungry now. Or go get some food next door. Everyone understands uh, preference. Now, principle, that's a little tougher. That's something that we, we kind of a conviction that we, we stick by and we abide by. It's like, a, like a, a rule or belief, okay? So we have principle, something we stick by no matter what, we're steadfast. And then we have preference, something that, well, you know, if I want to do it, then I'll do it. And if I don't want to do it, I don't want to do it, okay? We're going to be honing in on those two things today. Principle and preference. Look at the person next to you. Say, are you a person of principle? Or are you a person of preference? Now, the other side. Are you a person of principle? Or are you a person of preference? We're going to start out reading from Matthew 26. So if we can all uh, pull that up real quick. Matthew 26 Matthew 26, 36 to 46. Matthew 26, 36 to 46. You guys got it? Say amen. 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 Okay, here we go. Then Jesus went to his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed my sor with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch over me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may, he take th may this cup be taken from me. Yet, not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Could you men not keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. He went away a second time and he prayed. My father, if it is not, if it is not your will, for the, uh, sorry, my father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them, and he went away once more, and he prayed a third time, saying the exact same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is near, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Let's pray really quickly. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for your word. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this precious opportunity that we have today to share your word to your people. Father, your word says that faith comes by hearing, Lord God, and hearing the word. So today, Lord, we just activate our faith in you, Lord. Father, we put on our spiritual ears today, Lord, and we pray, Lord, that your will be done. Lord, that no one who entered this place 
this morning leaves the same way. We love you and we give you all the glory and honor and praise. Amen. So, this is a very, very powerful scripture. It's only but a few verses, t- ten verses. And it's perhaps, debatably, one of the most powerful things that we see in Jesus' ministry. Um, if, we are, if, if, if we look at the text, you know, we see that he was faced with the most important decision of his life that moment, whether or not to go through and go to the cross. He had an option. He didn't have to do it. I don't know if you guys got that. He didn't have to do it. He was a man just like us. Okay? He was in the garden uh, crying out, asking the Lord, listen, is this your will? If, if it is, you know, please take the cup away from me. You know, he was in total agony. Total agony. Because let, let, let me just set it up a little bit. He had just come from the Last Supper. He was with his disciples giving them final instructions. He had just told Peter, you know, you're going to deny me three times and I'm going to have one, one of you is going to betray me. So he had already set up the whole picture. He knew everything that was about to happen. So he goes into his prayer closet, into the garden of Gethsemane. We have trouble saying that word. And he totally just pours himself out and says, let your will be done. Our Heavenly Father, um, at that moment, uh, did something in the garden. I'm going to go into it in, in a little while. But the main point I want you to get from this at the moment is that he didn't have to do it. He didn't have to. But he said that your will be done so he can go through what was about to happen. So, basically, we see from that example that he was a God of principle. Because if it was his preference, let's be real, who in the world would want to go through the type of death that he went through? Anybody here? How about you guys? What if, what if uh, you guys were praying and, and, and asked the Lord to take that cup away from you and, and, and he gave you peace and sent an angel and uh, said, no, you got to you know, go forth with it. How would you guys react to that? You know everything that's about to happen to you. Everything. I want you guys to meditate over that for a second. So, what do we notice from the scripture? Well, if we look at the scripture, how many of us, when we are going through something, what is the first thing we probably do? Well, that's what we're supposed to do. But what do we probably do? We probably complain. We probably get upset. We probably cry. Uh, we probably get angry. Why me? Why is this happening? You know, why did my car you know, not start? Whatever. As, as Minister Lewis says, we have to look to Jesus. We have to look to his example of how he does stuff. The very first thing he does is he prays. And he doesn't just play a quick prayer. He doesn't play just once. He doesn't just play twice. 
three separate times he goes back and basically prays the same prayer. Lord, if it is your will, each single time. And each single time, his disciples were sleeping. How do you think Jesus felt at that moment? He knows he's going through the worst battle of his life. He's by himself. How many people can relate to that? Going through a battle in your life by yourself. So he wakes up. He, I'm sorry, he finishes his prayer. He goes back. Guys, I told you, to do, you know, don't fall in temptation. Into temptation. Temptation. Go back. You know, pray. Goes back. Prays another hour. Same thing. Goes back. Once again, sleeping. Three times that happened. Interesting how Peter denied him three times. Disciples fell asleep three times. Do not fall into temptation. You know, it could be debatable what exactly he was referring to. But um, essentially he was alone. So not only was he, was he about to go through, through agony, but he was alone in, in the battle. We also see that you know, in his agony, you know, he fell on his face. And he just totally, I think in Luke it says that, uh, that, that blood came from his sweat. Um, now, I'm not a doctor, not a nurse, but what I've heard is, is an actual condition that, that can happen. Can you imagine that? You, you're going through so much stress, so much fear, so much anxiety, that blood is now coming out of your pores as opposed to your sweat. Think about that. He says, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. For not as I will, but, but for your will. Now, I don't know about you, but this, 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 this scenario, every time I read it, 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 it just impacts me so much. There are so many trials that we go through in our lives that we kind of go about it perhaps in the wrong way. A lot of times we ask God to just totally remove it from our lives when it's quite possible he wants us to go through it. And so our prayer should be like Jesus' prayer. If it is your will to be done, let it be done. But strengthen me to get through. And as we see in the scriptures, the Lord sent an angel. And the Lord, I don't believe it was in Matthew, but it was either in, because each of these, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they all have a kind of different version of, of what happened. So in Matthew, it wasn't, uh, the, the angel wasn't mentioned, but it was, I believe it was in Luke um, that he sent the comforter. Yeah, it was in Luke 22, verse 23, 22, 43. They sent an angel to strengthen God. Interestingly enough, in, interesting enough, notice the contrast. Garden of Eden, first man, Adam, fell to temptation. Garden, Garden of Gethsemane, the second man, conquered by following God's will over his life. 
Two gardens. Am I getting too too uh, deep for you guys? Is this is this is, is this is this making sense? Now, um, it's so easy going back to the, my main point: principle and preference. To go about go about your life about what you want to do, um, as opposed to sticking to a conviction, sticking to a, a moral a law. Um, a little testimony. Just uh, a few weeks ago, I, my wife had driven to uh, Dunkin'. I drove my wife to Dunkin' Donuts, and uh, she wanted to get a little coffee or a little muffin or whatever. And I'm waiting for her, and I see this woman. What looks like she just dropped a whole pile of money and just kept walking. I'm sitting in the car waiting for Natalie, and I see a woman drop. I, I didn't know if it was money. Maybe it was just paper or something. Because you know, sometimes people drop papers. And so I look at it, and I'm sitting in the car, and I'm like, looking around, there's no one else around. I'm like, that can't be money. That can't be. So I, I, I wait a few more seconds. Let me get out the car. Unbuck my seatbelt, got out the car. And sure enough, there was a wad of money like this. <laughs> Principle or preference? I could have used that money. <laughs> I was like, and then I looked. The woman had totally disappeared around the corner. They didn't even see her. My car is on. Now I'm in, I'm, I'm in a little situation right here. What do I do? Do I just, thank you, Lord. You, he just blessed me with some money. Or do I find the woman? So, although it shouldn't have taken those five seconds of me to contemplate, it should have been kind of automatic. I ran around the corner to find this woman. And I don't know, it was like maybe 20-something dollars, you know. But when I gave it to her and she turned around, you can just tell that she wasn't someone of a lot of means, you know. She had like two kids with her. And, um, you know, I said, listen, I think you, you dropped some money around the corner. She looks in her pocket and sure enough, the money that she thought she had was not there. And she says, oh, thank you so much. You don't understand. Like th I, we were just going to buy some groceries with that money. So I say that to say, you know, the minute we walk out of here, you know, we're, we're constantly being hit with arrows and, and by temptation. As Jesus said, do not fall into temptation. Pray. We have to live our lives like that of Jesus. It's so easy to, to live our life of preference, what we want to do, you know, what's convenient for us, what's, what's easy for us, you know. Uh, Sunday school, what time does it start? 9.40. It's so easy to spend a few more minutes in that bed on Sunday because it feels great. Preference. But those who are here, principle. They know what's important. They know what's for their lives. They know that because they're going to be a better person, they can reach out to other people and be better, right? Um, so this is something that we witness uh, throughout, the, throughout Scripture, um, how Jesus would just consistently give out principles, give out principles, live a life um, that was flawless, that, that was a perfect life. You know, this illustration of him in, in the garden um, going through what none of us will ever possibly fathom, 
what, 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 what a human can go through. Knowing. Who, you, ever, you ever heard something that the anticipation of something can be worse than the actual act itself? You know? Like, for example, the anticipation of me having to preach today It's probably worse than the actual act of me going through it for 45 minutes, right? Um, now, what he was going through, you know, he's thinking of all the things that is the, that's going on at that moment, that what's going to happen to him, and, you know, the, the torture, and, and the nails, and, and the crown, and, and everything. That's why he was so broken. So broken at that moment. Lord, help me. You know, and, and, and if you really look at the scripture closely, it says he was near death. I don't take that lightly. I don't take that, oh, this is, a, is this an analogy that, you know, he wasn't feeling well? No. He was near death. The agony of just thinking about what was going to be happening to him, what was, what was about to come. Principle, preference. Look at your neighbor again. Are you someone of principle? Look at your neighbor. Are you someone of principle? Are you someone of preference? My lovely wife. God bless you guys. I just wanted to say that I am honored and um, I'm really enjoying being next to my wonderful husband as we preach together, honored once again to do it. Um, and I wanted to greet you guys and say God bless you guys. Um, Praise God. This is such a powerful message that really all of us can relate to. And I'm so glad that uh, the principle versus preference, um, just that phrase right there is something that God put in my husband's heart. We clearly see that Jesus was a man of principle. He lived his life by principle. Principle being something that, a conviction that I have, something that I decide I'm going to live by no matter what. So being a person of principle is not about what my emotions, is not about what I feel like doing at any given moment. My father always tells me, Pastor Victor, that he always likes to say that your emotions can be deceiving. If we follow our whims and our emotions all the time, where is it going to take us? It's going to toss us to and fro. And the Bible talks about those people that are tossed to and fro. Why? Because they don't live by principle because they don't stand on the word, because they don't act upon the word and the truth of God. Um, and, you know, as my husband was speaking, I decided that I wanted to tell you that being a person of principle actually has its benefits. I'm going to say it again. Being a, living your life by principle actually has benefits. Okay? And when he was speaking, it came to my mind, that person, and there's many of you here today who are either going through this or who have been through this and who have come out victorious, that person who is getting up early, getting back home late, and working so hard, diligently studying because they want to get a degree. Okay, principle versus preference. When that bed feels so good that they just don't want to come out of it, what are they going to do? Okay, now there, pretend there are two people. One person is living by a principle. What is their principle? If I work hard and I am diligent, I will get my degree. The other person lives by preference. They're tossed to and fro. They just 
do whatever it is that they kind of feel like doing at any given moment. Which one of those people do you think is going to succeed and get that degree? Living by principle has its benefits. And I want to submit to you today, you guys are, I'm looking at you, you're all lovely, but even more than that, you're all very talented. I see so many abilities and, you know, wonderful um, gifts in here. And you may not even realize the potential that you have. You may not even realize, you know, really what God wants to do with you. You may not even know your potential. You may not even know where God wants to take you. You know, and we're talking about prayer as the crux of everything. If we never go into his presence, if we never press in, then how can we know what he has for us? If we never submit to going into his presence to, to, to grow as a person, how can we ever accomplish those things? How can we ever get the tools that we need, get molded as individuals? Because growth is good. And when you grow, when you grow out of those old habits and little tendencies that, you know, are doing nothing but holding you back, you become successful. You become productive. You actually do the things that you set out to do and say that you want to do. Because there are many dreams in here. You see, because God puts dreams in all of our hearts. We have an innate knowing of things that we want to do. Um, and we have our talents and our giftings that also tell us where it is that God is taking us, right? However, if we never seek him, and you know, we are talking that, about that very important decision that Christ made at a pivotal moment, a pivotal moment, because let's face it, we wouldn't be here today, none of us would be here today if Christ had decided to go with his preference. So, and I just love the Lord because, I mean, it's just amazing to me that he would even be, become a man, he didn't have to come down to the earth and become a man and go through the things that we go through physically and much less than that. He didn't have to die a sinner's death for us, for, for all of mankind. That major decision that he made, it's key that we see in the scriptures that what does he do? He, he goes and he prays to his father. He goes to his alone place, right? He goes to a, he, 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 he comes to a moment alone where no one is around to distract him. He's in his clo prayer closet. We have our words and our phrases and our terms for it. And he just connects to his father. Now, this is like life for us. This is, this is like literally like lifeblood for us, for our spirits. See, because we can get on in life, you know, we can sort of survive, you know, without prayer, without seeking God's presence, without moving forward in things in life but we're just surviving we're not really thriving are we we're not really accomplishing what god has given us to accomplish Mm-hmm. surviving but god wants so much more for us than just to survive and he shows us through jesus's example that how we do that how how we can do that what we need to do in order to be able to press through is that we need to connect with our heavenly father and the bible says that at that moment after those three prayers that god strengthened him that his father strengthened him and that he was able to continue on he he got strength for the journey again not necessarily did the cup pass over and this is something that we all experience not necessarily did the cup pass over 
But Jesus was willing. Why? Because he lived by a principle. And what was that principle? I am obedient to my father. He lived by principle. And his principle was, I am going to be obedient to my father no matter what. And he said, not my will, father, but your will be done. So we see from that example, the best example, Christ's example, how is it that we can achieve our destinies? And I want to talk a little bit more about principle versus preference in our lives and apply it to our real lives. We go through all kinds of trials and tribulations. Um, and it's fair to say that nothing can compare to what our Christ went through and, and suffered. Amen? Can we all agree on that? You know, so his example suffices. His example is enough. So, but we all go through our things. And I, I can tell you, I can be honest with you here and say that I've been through my moments um, where literally God would have to send me someone just to embrace me because I was so distraught within. Okay? And, and it's a breaking process. And I want to encourage you because in your walk with God, you're going to be challenged to grow. And the reason why sometimes these trials and tribulations, these cups do not pass over us, why? Is because God wants us to grow. Because God is trying to get us, okay, they talk about olives. How do you get the olive oil out? You got to press. You got to put pressure. The olive gets crushed, okay? Same thing happens with grapes and wine. Pressure, there's crushing and I want to tell you that that feeling that you get when you're going through that, that's okay. That's okay. And I want to tell you that God understands. And at that moment, he can give us the strength to move forward. He can give us the strength to continue on. But I want to tell you that this is necessary for life. This is necessary for um, making us the best possible versions of us that we can be. Right? This is, this is necessary in order to bring out the, the most potential in our lives. How many, how many really, don't, don't, don't answer, how many really understand that or agree with that? I mean, it's so easy to just say, man, I don't want to go through that. I don't want to be bothered with that. I'm out. And I know we all understand the vernacular because we're all New Yorkers. I'm out. For, for later for this. Forget this. And to piggyback on that, a lot of times we, we lose our destiny because of that. Forfeit. God has a plan for each and every one of us. But we have to do what Jesus did. Let your will be done. Not mine. I may want to be a lawyer or I may want to be a doctor, but maybe that's not God's will for my life. So sometimes we have to put aside our own feelings, our own ambitions, and, and, and pay, get in tune on what he wants us to do. And I love that thought because my husband knows that I'm very much a person to not just step out and do something. If I'm doing it, it's because I prayed and I waited and God gave me the green light. For whatever reason, I've just always been that way, convicted that way where I don't want to step out and sort of like maybe waste my time or do something that is off from where my destiny really is. And I've always been that type of person. But the whole point of that is that sometimes, and this, the Bible says um, that the heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. 
Sometimes we have, like he was saying, goals and dreams and things that we would want to do. Sometimes we may have one dream that God may say later. Sometimes we have another dream that maybe is not really for us, but how would we know? We're not God. I didn't create me. <laughs> you know, like we're so sort of, you know, um, what's the word? When we, when we know it all, you know, and, and we, we're so autonomous in our lives, we can become so autonomous or directing our own self that we forget that there's a great God whose thoughts are higher than our thoughts, whose ways are higher than our ways. So I love this because in prayer is where we find out what it is it that you have for me, Lord. There's something that you may, that God may have in store for you, you may not even know. You may not even realize it. Let me tell you that me personally, <laughs> when I was a kid, you know, I had a, a, a certain dream for myself. I wanted to be a doctor. And, you know, I was very bright and I liked to read up on illnesses and things. And, you know, some of my family members heard that and they were very excited and they said, oh, that's so great, you know, like, um, she's going to be a doctor. And, you know, as I got a little bit older, I started to realize certain things that my father really saw it in me first was that I had a talent for music. So he identified that in me. And um, later on, I identified some other things that I had a talent for dance and I, you know, I, I began to choreograph dance. These are things that I never knew that were inside of me. These were things that I used to look at other people and say, wow, I wish I could do that. And sometimes there are things I will submit to you that you don't even know you have inside of you. And it's like so awesome when God surprises you and suddenly there's this thing where like, how was I living without this? You know, sometimes it's a wonderful surprise. So I want to tell you that, yes, you're all smart. You're all capable. You're all, you know, professional human beings. But remember that God may know something about you that you don't. Why? Because he was the one that created you. Right? So, so press into the Lord and seek after him for everything in your life, not just some things. Don't, put, don't give him some things and then hide others or take others and keep others away from him. Give him um, that place where you just lay down, sit down, kneel down, whatever it is, and you say, Lord, I'm here. What is it that you have for me? And these are two things that I feel that many Christians are missing. You know, we're surviving, we're getting by, you know, without really getting to know our Lord, uh, the intimacy aspect of it is a completely different thing because if, you're, if you haven't experienced the love of God on an intimate level, you are missing out on so much. And that can only happen how? Through relationship. But we are missing out on, on prayer and on intimacy with God, but we are also missing out on principle. Okay, so... I want to encourage you again that principle, living by principle, has its benefits. When I am faced with a decision, when I'm faced with an offense, somebody offends me, what am I going to do? Principle versus preference. I'm in ministry. My brother or sister offends me. What am I going to do? Am I going to step off? Or am I going to honor the commitment that I have to my brother, to my sister, and to the ministry? If something happens in my marriage, it's just getting too hard. 
We're arguing all the time, not compatible. I want something else now. What am I going to do? Principle versus preference. Am I going to just decide that I will search after something else? Or am I going to honor the commitment that I made to my spouse and to the Lord? And it's so much easier to go with your preference. So much easier. Man, 10 years married. I don't know. She's just not getting me anymore. You know, things are too rough. It seems that when the devil puts these ideas in our, in our head, that you know what? There's something brighter on the other side for you. You know, it's something that you, you probably like this a little better. Right? That's why he says, pray, do not be tempted. Right? Going back to, back to the verse. But if we stick through and be people of principle, how much more of a blessing will we be, will our family, will our future be? You know, because why, what may seem at the moment to be something a little better, it's just a trap. It's a trap. That's all it is. It's, 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 it's something that looks good from the outside, but once you get there, you're like, wow, what did I just do? And by then... Very late. <laughs> Very late. I'm going to tell you a secret. Anything worth the hardship, it's going to take some time. And it's worth it. Marriage matures with time. It is not magically wonderful and easy and beautiful from the beginning to the end. Wine matures with time. It gets better and better. That's a secret for you out there, in case anybody wanted that tip. <laughs> if you disappear in the early stages, you are forfeiting something. You are losing all the work and effort and the foundational elements that were there. And like Brandon said, you know, honestly, a person who... who decides to you know live by preference and and di remove themselves from the equation every time is difficult they're going to be faced with the same thing when i don't know a year two years five years down the road they're going to be with the next person and you know what they're going to encounter the same things why because you can't run you can't run from your destiny it's going to run after you and then you're going to, once you actually get it and you actually realize, I got to stay, I got to stay, I got to stay, you're going to be like, I should have done this a long time ago. And I want to tell you, life, marriage, all of these things and life elements, not easy. <laughs> right now, put away, put to bed all the things about this is going to be, we're so compatible, this is, you know, going to be great, you know. Once all those things start happening, normal. So let there not be fantasies and, you know, kind of like very unrealistic story expectation of life. You're going to go through at some point. You know, and, and God is just waiting for us. A good term is man up or woman up. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm gonna 
stand up with all that God has given me, and I'm going to woman up, and I'm going to go through the process. And you know what? We're able to go through the process. We're stronger than we think. God knows your potential. He knows how much you can go through. The Bible says that he will never put you through more than you can bear. Don't, don't let the enemy lie to you and say, oh, this is hard. You should, you should really back off now because it's just too hard for you. Don't let him take away your blessing. Hallelujah. And there's nothing harder than what he went through. There's nothing we can possibly go through that's more difficult than our Lord and Savior went through. So if he can go through it, he can go to the cross, die for each and every one of you, we can go through our problems. We can go through them. And we can come out the other side and be victorious. So the thoughts that I want to leave with you today are that being a principle of person is a decision. It's not an ability. We can do all things. We have the power to take action contrary to what the emotions are that we're feeling. Okay? And, you know, one thing that really, principle versus preference has been big on his heart because a lot of times when things are difficult, you know, people kind of buckle under the pressure. For me, what's been difficult is that I see that we are settling for these lives that are just so much less than what God actually has for us. People of God, it's a great adventure. It's a great adventure and it should be nothing less. But you know what? If you don't submit to the, 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 the leader of the safari or whatever it is, then you will never know the adventure that God has for you. Stay. Because the enemy is trying to do all that he possibly can. And not only in the most overt ways, but in the most subtle of ways to keep you from achieving your destiny. Please don't settle for mediocrity. Don't settle for easy. Don't settle for smooth. Go after what God has for you. You can do it. And I want to say that we can never truly be fulfilled, people of God, unless we're living out our destiny. Amen. What about your cemetery story? Oh, yes. Well, I had a, a story that I came across um, based on a quote that I once heard um, from, once again, Pastor Victor. And I'll, I'll read it to you. The richest spot on the earth, on the face of the earth, cannot be found in the diamond mines of South Africa or the Inca gold caches of Ecuador. It is not in the oil fields of Saudi Arabia nor in the uranium excavations of the Balkans. Neither is it in the mineral deposits of the Dead Sea. No. The richest plot of land on this planet is in your very own neighborhood. You might have even passed by it this morning. It's the cemetery. That's right. The graveyard is the wealthiest place in all of creation. Beneath those rectangular pieces of sod lie countless unsung melodies and unwritten poems. The grassy plots overflow with brilliant ideas that could have transformed entire communities, rehabilitated the lost, and borne hope to the weary. Our burial grounds reek with unattained successes and unrealized dreams. Amen. And this person says that sometimes they wonder, they walk through the graveyard and speculate how many unfulfilled promises and untapped dreams lie dormant under my feet. 
I ponder, she says, the many lives that fell short of God's intended purpose. Millions of men and women have died with their aspirations yet unleashed, their dreams now forever trapped beneath the turf. If I could mine the cemeteries in my neighborhood alone, I would be one of the richest, actually it's a, men, a man, men on the place of the earth. Will you add to the wealth of the graveyards? I wonder, what are you carrying inside of you right now? Too many in our families and churches die rich, with dreams clutched tightly to their stilled hearts. Too many go to their graves with their potential trapped inside. If we could harness the unused power from one graveyard alone, we could change the world. But of course we can't. We can tap only the potential of the living. So long as breath remains in our lungs, potential lies inside of us waiting to be released. The reason we are still alive is that we are carrying something inside of us that this generation needs. That's why we're not yet in heaven. My motto in life is die empty. I aim to give the graveyard nothing but a vacant carcass of a used up life. I want the words on my tombstone to read empty, nothing left, no more gas, good to the last drop. So, principle or preference? That is the question. Kind of sounds a little Shakespearean. To be or not to be principle or, pre or preference, that is the question. Um, I'm going to begin to land the plane now. If we go back to our scripture in Matthew, we're reminded of two things. Christ was a man of principle. Christ was a man of prayer. If we can just take those two things, just two things, principle and prayer, with us, and begin to activate it in our lives on a daily basis. It may not be easy. Some of us, you know, uh, perhaps haven't developed that type of lifestyle yet to get into our Father's presence every day. Now, it may start with five minutes. It may, you know, eventually go up to 10, 20. Um, but all it takes is a consistent time every day that you just put aside. And you're going to put every aspect of the day to the back burner, and you're just going to focus, and you're just going to connect, as, as Natalie was saying, to the source. Through that, you'll begin to find and learn things about yourself that you, you, you never knew. Never knew. So the Garden of Gethsemane was a place of both suffering and strength. Jesus entered the garden suffering. He left strengthened. Okay, so many of us go into the pr our prayer closets a mess, total mess. But we come out with victory. Okay? Now notice this. Prayer didn't deliver Christ from his suffering. But it helped deliver him Okay? I kind of alluded to this earlier. God is not going to take away something that he wants you to go through. But he's going to walk you through it. Amen. Hand in hand. Prayer is one of God's primary provisions for our endurance and our perseverance. 
when we pray, we need to pray persistently, fervently. We need to pray in, in, a, in, a, in a manner that we submit to God's will, not our will. Okay? Instead of asking God, God, can you do this for me? Why don't we ask God, what can I do for you? So many times, that's what we do. We go in front, oh God, I need this. I'm going through this, going that, can you take? How many, how often have we stood before him and said, God, what do you need? What can I do for you? I just wanted to interject there. Prayer is a conversation. It's not just us speaking to God, asking God, getting God's attention. It is us listening to God also. So in that place, remember to be quiet and still for some time and just let God speak to you, especially as your spirit gets stronger. In the beginning, it might not be as easy for you to hear the voice of the Lord, or it may be very easy because when we first get saved, it's just such a joy, and we're just so sensitive to the voice of the Lord. But remember, go into his presence, not just ready to ask, but also ready to listen. So, to conclude, um, there will be a time when each and every one of us will have to enter our garden of the enemy. Some of us have probably been there. Some of us may be in there right now. Um, it's definitely not going to be a fun place to be in. You know, if we, once again, if, you, if we reflect on, on what Christ went through there, but know that God will strengthen you through the process. He will send his angels to be with you, to encamp around you. Um, I want to encourage each and every one of you today that there is no battle bigger than what God can do for you. There's no obstacle, there's no mountain too high enough that God can't come and be there for you. So, you know, there's a few verses that we put down. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all, all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Also, Hebrews 4, 14 to 16. Seeing, then, that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens... Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confessions. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted, just like we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to his throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in this time of need. Jesus found prayer to be the key him and, 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 and turning in the garden for turning his suffering into strength. I would encourage you today to go after him. Go after him. Just go try to, try to grab onto that, that robe. Just touch it. Because whatever we're going through, there's nothing impossible for God. Amen? And please, people of God, go after what it is that God has for you. Because now more than ever before, God needs his people of principle in the world to be able to affect and change their environments. 
And we see it happening now, even in sports. We see that God's people are rising up. Please, don't settle. Get everything that God has for you and press into your destiny. The world needs you. Principle, preference. God bless you guys.